0: This is episode number 212 of the Well-Fed Women podcast. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tar. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Whoa, what was that? A totally new intro and a new show, and we're going to get into all of the deets. Don't worry, you're going to love it. First, I want to thank our sponsor, Fabletics. Go to fabletics.com slash women. We are excited that they are supporting us long term. I absolutely love the brand. It's athletic wear for all types of activities, yoga, running, CrossFit, gym workouts, you name it, you can get clothed by Fabletics. The special offer that they are doing for us is two leggings for only $24. So when you go to fabletics.com slash women, what you'll do is click get started and it'll take you through this really cool quiz that curates special outfits and clothing pieces to you based on the colors you like and what size you like in each Um, items. So for example, if you like to wear a large in leggings, you can say that's your size preference. And if you'd like to wear a top in a medium, you can select that as your size preference. They go all the way up to size uh, 22 to 24, which is 3X. So they have a wide range of uh, apparel that you can choose from. And then put in your email address. It'll save all of your preferences and then you can shop. So I have been singing the praises for quite a while because I haven't really taken it off since I got my order. You cannot go wrong with the high waisted power hold legging, they have them in prints and solids. Just whatever you do, make sure you get the high-waisted power hold legging. I am team hashtag high-waisted. I will never go back to the low waists, uh, especially after having kids. And yes, I'm still pregnant, and it's still it. Yes, it's a little tight right now, but it fits, and I'm really excited. I fe- it felt so good to have all the high-waisted leggings postpartum, but I just will never wear anything else, especially when doing. Strength training. I can't explain it. When you're doing squats and stuff, it just feels really nice to have that kind of hugged feeling around your waist. So get those two leggings for only $24. It's a great company. They are doing amazing things in order to provide active wear and what I'd call athleisure at an affordable price. It's the, you've probably seen all the commercials, it is um, the brand that was co-founded by actress Kate Hudson. So, Fabletics.com. Slash, well-fed women. By the way, I'm your host, Noel Tar. I am here with Stephanie Ruper. Say hello, Stephanie. You just introduced me like a guest. I did. <laughs> hi, I'm an interloper now. Say, say hi, Steph. We were talking about so many things, and I like now we have so much to talk about because I was dying laughing before we started. She. You may not recognize her. (laughs) Noelle is speechless. You you may not recognize her because she sounds so different, right?
1: (laughs) After four years of recording podcast episodes, Stephanie Rupert got her stuff together and fixed her audio problems.
0: Now, the background on all this, let me be honest, is that when we first started recording the podcast, I was like, Steph, I can't figure out what's going on with your sound. It sounds really airy. So then... But st- you had you got we both got the same uh, microphone and fancy everything. Mic. Yeah, we got a f- fancy mic. We were we were trying hard, and like we always would have these issues, like buzzing wires and weird sounds. And you still sounded airy. And even sometimes when you're recording on other people's with other people's stuff, you were using your computer. I'm guessing, but it still was a little. Eh. And all of a sudden, she jumps on today, and she's like, "Hey." I got a new computer. (laughs) Do I sound different? I was like, you do. You sound like me for the first time ever. (laughs) It's clear and it's crisp. I know, and I just feel so embarrassed and so sad and sorry about the previous uh, 211 episodes of the last four years. It's really okay. I don't think anybody notices besides... Me and maybe a select few others who have their own podcasts who, okay. who can tell. I really don't think it's that big a deal. I think I just make it a big deal because it's funny, but I I really do. The sound quality is is important to me. And you sound really good. Thank you. So what was the prob, Bob? What was
1: going on? I so like there were a couple of issues, actually, which is why I just decided to buy a new computer instead of fix them. And I've sort of reached a point in my life. And I recognize that this is an extremely privileged position where like if I have a problem rather than solve it, I'll throw money at it. (laughs) So like, so for example, so there were a couple of problems with my computer and I wasn't sure which one was actually causing the problem. My USB port was like loose, but you couldn't really tell why, you know, because the clippings were all fine. And then the sound card was very weird and had other issues um, and the microphone jack didn't work. Like all the audio issues were just very strange. And instead of trying to figure out which one it was and fix it, I just, I bought a new computer. Um, but I bought a used computer to try to be eco and it was also <laughs> like, it you know, it was less than 200 bucks. So, oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, which is, which is great. So anyway, um, yes, I sound better. Hello.
0: Please tell me what type of phone you got too. Cause your comment before. That's okay, so
1: I got a new phone today, and I didn't need a new phone. Oh,
0: also, PS, by the way, this was the second
1: computer that I bought as a replacement computer. But the first one that I bought couldn't like plug in the USB ports that I needed, and so oh, got it. Was it a different I, type of USB like port? No, actually, it was oh. a it's a tablet, and I <laughs> it, it, well, no, it has a USB port, but the I love problem the way was, you just said that tablet. <laughs> Okay, there's a tablet and it but it wouldn't recognize external mics and webcams without apps and it was just very glitchy but I had broken like the little clips that attach it to the laptop so I can't take or attach it to the keyboard so I can't take it back so um so I have a new computer that I can't take back and a new computer that I don't need to take back and an old computer and I recently like I just invested in in a new I have a mic stand now and a new set of lights. And I have an old phone that didn't need replacing, but I bought a new phone because it has a better camera on it for Instagram. Is that gonna make you laugh again? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Noelle god. Noelle burst out laughing louder than I've heard her laugh in my entire life when I first told her this. Um I have a Google Pixel 3, oh. which is said to be like have like the best the best yeah, camera. Yeah, they do
0: talk about the camera on those commercials there. That's great. Yeah. You're like, this is the person I am now. I buy phones for Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> follow
1: me for the love of God. I can't tell you how hard it is to get people who follow Paleo for Women to, uh, like, all you have to do is, is click on the link and hit follow, like, a, a second of your life, and I can't get anybody to do it. So just... You know, follow me, guys.
0: Follow me for the love of God. <laughs> That's going to be the Stephanie's quote. That's going to be
1: your quote. For the love of God. You can put that on my tombstone.
0: <laughs> that is that is a good all-encompassing <inaudible> quote yeah. for, for Stephanie. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I'm excited for you. I really am. I, you're, you. you're stepping it up. And it sounds good, and we have good quality. Let's talk about the show and what Woo. you're doing so um, and what I'm doing. So you notice there's a new intro, and we've sort of been shifting this way for the last few months. And people have sort of been asking, like, hey, are you, are you changing things? What's going on? Um, but all of you know, Stephanie has talked <laughs> quite a bit about her new podcast. And I think it's funny that she's now buying cameras and things for Instagram because she's she's now starting a whole new career um, and joining us in the, what is this, the 21st century? (laughs) It's definitely not the 22nd, so it is the 21st (laughs) century with her technology. And I think that's really great because to me that shows that, as a side note, you're really, like, you're excited and passionate about what you are embarking on and what you're doing next. And before Paleo for Women, which is still a part of your life, you started it at such a young age where now this is like your new career as an adult, which I think is kind of cool. Um, but most of you have heard that she is doing new things, new podcasts. Follow her at Stephanie.Ruper. Is that the Instagram? Yeah, literally, it's just my name. Okay. <laughs> like it's okay. not that hard to find. Uh, and so she's obviously getting her PhD in philosophy and doing new things. And so with the show, I am moving into a phase where... Well, I'll just be brutally honest. I'm sort of like in a in a burnout stage. kicking me off. <laughs> like, no, I'm just I'm just in a I'm in a burnout stage. And Steph and I got to a point where we were like, "Look, do we just keep doing this or not?" And I cannot continue on with this pace in terms of like the podcast and all the production and everything. And I need more help. And Stephanie's like, "Oh, that's interesting. I'm kind of doing my own thing now." And so. I think that this is a really great time for us to kind AKA, of... AKA, <laughs> I'm not going to help you. <laughs> okay, so, go on. So I think that this has been a really great time for us to figure out what do we want to do long-term? Do we want to continue on with the show? Because Steph and I have both noticed that people in our field will start podcasts and then try to keep it you know, exactly the way that they had started and make sure that they're still serving that exact same community, and they burn out and they stop. And then they just don't do episodes anymore, or they just say, I don't want to do this anymore. And I've seen that happen with a lot of really great podcasts. And I think one of the things that's great about this one is that Stephanie and I obviously obviously have a great dynamic, and we're able to support and lean on each other. It's not just one or the other having to show up and talk. And so this has really been a great friendship, and we've we've had a lot of our community join us in that, and that's been a beautiful thing. But... We've still gotten to the point where after four and a half years, me personally, my interests are shifting. Uh, Not necessarily like I'm still very into the holistic health world, but obviously we both shifted from paleo. We have done the things. I feel like we've kind of signed our name onto a book that is something we're really proud of and allows us to help people on a greater scale. And so it's really... Both of us don't necessarily have any interest in like going over the same thing over and over again. And so what we're going to do moving forward and I, um, which I think is still going to be very applicable to our community and, and going to serve everybody very well is I'm going to host all the shows. Steph's going to join me twice a month for sort of, I wouldn't call it catch up episodes, but the question and answer episodes where our community can still do lots of question and answers because her and I are both Still very passionate about all the things that we've been talking about forever and all the questions that you guys, you know, write in, especially about mindset, body image as we kind of move through this move through our 30s and how that's all changed. Um, And then the other two episodes I'm going to be doing interviewing, hopefully, really good quality, educated experts in the field of health and nutrition and fitness and mindset And I want to bring people on that I think have really interesting and compelling health stories. And my goal is to really get sort of the deeper conversations going and the, you know, not just surface stuff about like, what do you do for fitness and nutrition? But really kind of pull out some interesting tidbits for you all from experts, especially in regards to big topics that we know our community really wants to hear more about, like hormones and HA and fertility and all of those things. So I think that this is a great shift. Our podcast is actually really, really growing. And I know that a lot of you guys have noticed, too, that um, I've obviously been talking a lot more about postpartum health and women as as moms and fertility and pregnancy and all those things. And as we've made that shift, and as I've kind of gone with that poll, which is, you know, where I'm more interested in, too, um, is, is incorporating some of that into the podcast. The podcast has grown significantly. So both of us were really hesitant, I think, to change things. But the more we, you know, the more I talked to other podcasters and said, look, I kind of like... I don't know what to do here. Do we just stop or do we shift or do we morph? And the more I thought about it, the more I talked to other people, it's like you you got to shift. You got to morph. You got to do what's right for you, but also make sure that it's still serving your community. But if you're not interested in the exact same things you've already done it once, you know, you you guys aren't paleo, which we did have those roots and that's important to us still. And obviously a lot of the advice that we give is if centered on paleo but um i think we have to stay true to ourselves and so if certain shows aren't perfectly applicable to you that's okay um <laughs> just to put that out there like you know we're going to be doing i'm going to be doing some pro- probably some in-depth interviews on which i've already done but um like adrenal fatigue and infertility and pregnancy or parenthood and other issues that women all shapes and sizes and all ages go through an experience. And so that's kind of moving forward. The Well-Fed Women title will be interviewing and asking Well-Fed Women on to the show to be co-hosts, but then Steph and I also rotating in um, and doing our normal question and answer episodes like you have seen here. Um, And we hope that all of you will come with us. I think that that that's probably going to happen because the overall general theme is not going to change, but we are going to go in depth on a lot of different topics. And um we just have to follow our passions at this point and because the alternative is just to stop. And I don't really want to do that either. And I know Steph doesn't want to either. So thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Well I'm obviously on board. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, it's I think it's really, really great.
1: And I am very happy that Noelle is happy because I was worried that she wouldn't be. <laughs> so I don't know. It all just feels, well, you know, right. Like you got to do what you got to do, and you're absolutely correct that we're working hard to make sure that the community is still, you know, being engaged and and having the needs met and whatever. So yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm just happy. It's just, it's we're just in our 30s.
0: We are. <laughs> We are. It's hard. It's an interesting transition because when you feel like, you know, getting older is is, is an interesting process. So much of what was important to us in our 20s or who we were in our 20s, we still take that with us. But we also are growing. And what's important to us is changing. And what we throw money at is changing. Mm -hmm. And what we want to do long term, I think, is changing, too. So yeah still gonna be a boss show that's what i kept telling Steph. i'm like we got to make this a boss show how do i what how? so I've been <laughs> i'm have been. just like okay you're like do whatever you want <laughs> um, yeah so and of course stephanie has her philosophy things going on if you want more specifically from her on the weeks that she is not here go listen to her meeting of everything podcast to get just all the all the dish on steph
1: yeah, it's going great by the way, and I'm gonna get a Pulitzer. So, follow me, and <laughs> you can you, be like, "Oh, I was one of her first followers." Totally.
0: Do you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. <laughs> do you, I'm not either. Do you? Are you? Do you sit and pontificate, or are you doing interviews, or is it a rotation?
1: Uh, uh, every Monday, an interview episode comes out. And every Thursday I sit and pontificate for the interview episodes are 47 minutes and me pontificating is around 20. So you get a little bit of hopefully, you know, a little bit of everything and you can pick and choose what you like.
0: Wow. Two episodes a week. Yeah. No wonder you're like, peace. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot to do. I've produced like 40 episodes already. Yeah, that's a lot.
1: Yeah. That's it's okay. You know, like pontificating. That's like, that's all I do. So that's not a yeah. problem.
0: No, I can see. And I think that people all, you know, a lot of podcasts start and fizzle out before they even reach up, you know, a year or a 100 episodes. And I think it's because they struggle to know what to talk about or how to rotate in interviews and also being the the expert. I think that's really important for you. <laughs> Sorry, this is getting into like a business coaching thing, but I think that's really important for you to to remain, keep those episodes where you pontificate because that's people come to the podcast for you. You know what I mean? And and you have to kind of remain the expert, too. That's what I, I that's why I love this dynamic that we're starting, which is, yeah, we're we're still going to give our opinions, which people come genuinely come to us for. But we're also going to interview other people who are smarter than us, which I think is really important. And in in your, specific
1: topics and yeah, stuff. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm, right. And bring a new perspective. And no, we may not always agree 100% with whoever's being interviewed, but that's not the purpose, right? It's to bring in other viewpoints and opinions. And then to when people want to ask us stuff or want to know what we think, offer those too. So that's that's great. I love the dynamic that you're doing. Okay. That's the stuff. This is the new show, Well Fed Women. I'm gonna be try to be more profesh. I do feel like, <laughs> I, okay, this is on me. This is on me. I feel like more recently I've gotten a little too cash with just some of my slangs, not slangs, but my ums and my likes. And I went back and listened to a few episodes, and I was like, uh, I need, I need, it I need creeps help. up on
1: you. It, it does.
0: does. It does. And I think it's just been a lot lately. There's there's some more things happening in my life and it's just uh, very heavy and uh, not heavy, but just a lot to process and digest. And I think we, you and I had gotten to the point, and then, again, this is why we're shifting is because it's like, I'm so strong thin that I'm not even able to sit and <laughs> and recognize and speak clearly and stop myself from saying, because it it's, it's very mental and and you can stop it you can you can pause and not say um I think some ums are natural and very very necessary and I don't have any interest in erasing all of those but I do think it's important to speak clearly and not be all wrapped up in the you knows and ums and likes and anyway that's just my personal thing so
1: I absolutely I am absolutely on board and I've been trying to be really cognizant of it recently as well so I bet I bet you have
0: yeah let's do it together. Okay. <laughs> so any other thoughts? I think we're really, we're getting into the podcast here. So I'll save that. I had a fun question for you, but I'll save that till next time. Cause we just had a lot of fun things to talk about and we have some really great questions. So are you ready? Yes. Yes. Question number one is from Alexa, which makes me think, Hey Alexa, but I won't go there. I'm sure she hears that all the time. Right. Isn't that what it's called? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. Just be such an annoying joke. I
0: know. I know. I'm sorry, Alex. I shouldn't have even gone there. Sorry. Hey, I'm Stephanie. I've been having some problems with blood sugar swings for what feels like forever, but really started to notice them maybe last year or so, maybe even longer. I have no idea. And specifically in the morning. I used to work high-intense manual labor types of jobs, and so I would try to eat a lot in order to keep myself full and have lots of energy. I pretty much ate when I wanted, when I needed to, and pretty much anything I wanted. About a year ago, I started a new job working in an office, which means lots of sitting and very little movement. And so I would think I wouldn't need to eat as much. I've noticed that my hunger pains, as well as my blood sugar, seem to be on a roller coaster in the mornings. It's a wild ride some days. Sometimes I feel as if I'm going to pass out and I don't eat something soon. If I don't eat something soon, even though I feel I had a filling breakfast. Sometimes it's only 45 minutes to an hour after eating breakfast that I feel I need to eat again. I will eat something, but sometimes if I haven't eaten in time and then I do eat, I just feel tired and fatigued and so sleepy. Some days are better than others. In the mornings, she says she usually eats a slice of homemade sourdough, whole wheat bread with a nice thick slice of smoked salmon and a small bit of cream cheese. I do feel as if I'm constantly snacking in the morning out of fear of my blood sugar swings and honestly, I just feel as if I'm a slave to food because I don't want to experience that blood sugar swing. I'm usually snacking on fruit nuts, some cheese. I've tried eating more protein and fat-centric breakfasts, such as scrambled eggs and some avocado, but I still feel exactly the the same as having something more carby. Sometimes I feel like I'm constantly eating, but I would love to not be a slave to my hunger with that dreadful blood sugar fatigue. I've gone to see a naturopathic doctor. He suggested intermittent fasting, maybe a couple times a week but he wanted to get my blood work done first before starting. I've not had a follow-up with him yet in regards to my blood work, so unfortunately I don't have that info, but we'll be seeing him within the week. My thought upon hearing his words, intermittent fasting, was, that sounds scary and I don't want to do it. His reasoning is that IF will possibly help balance my hormones in the morning, and he is not suggesting it as a long-term solution. I guess my question is, is that okay for me? I know your stance on intermittent fasting for women. You do? I have never heard Stephanie talk about that. Just kidding. Um, And I am a little wary of his recommendation. I know to stick up for myself if need be, but would like to actually see if if it could help me as well. So I'm not completely writing him off. Plus, I'd like to get a couple opinions as well before starting. Please help. Thank you. I like this question.
1: Me too. I would definitely, when we're thinking about blood sugar at a particular time of day, like the morning, encourage us to think much more broadly about all times of the day. Because it seems to me that no matter which breakfast foods you're consuming, you're having the same sort of issue. So I would imagine that perhaps it has to do with the irregularity, perhaps of your meal timing in general, or the way that you're sleeping. Perhaps you're having blood sugar fluctuations while you sleep. That is definitely a thing that can happen. Something left over from the night before, then perhaps it will continue on into the next day when you're waking up in the morning. And I'm also curious, it seems like you're probably pretty regular with your sleeping, but I do really encourage you to do what you can to be regular. Oh, (laughs) I have news about sleeping I will share in our next podcast. It's going to it's going to blow Noelle's mind.
0: No. Yeah.
1: Okay. (laughs)
0: Tune in next next week. week. In two weeks. Two weeks. (laughs) Oh,
1: oh, this is fun. Okay, so I yes, I absolutely think that that kind of regularity is important, and with your exercise, and if you do that, then you'll be able to more precisely figure out what your problem is because you're controlling for variables, right? If you have sort of locked things into a a solid rhythm, then you can test different breakfasts and see if any of them work differently, right? Or you can try moving your exercise from the nighttime into the afternoon, right? Or perhaps you always have a sugary thing before you go to bed and if you cut that out then you can sort of see if that changes your your morning but I do think that being as regular as you can with your meal timing and your macros which seem like they're pretty chill uh, pretty chill which seem like they're good and with your exercise I think that that could be uh, I think that could be really important so I would definitely foreground that as a consideration that's how I would start uh, trying to Troubleshoot this regarding the recommendation to try intermittent fasting. I am skeptical that occasionally intermittent fasting, and we don't have a description here of what that regimen would look like. I am skeptical that doing that would actually regulate, quote unquote, regulate your hormones, uh, especially if you're doing it every few days, a couple times a week. I'm not sure what precisely that would do. And also, what affect your hormones? I suppose here we mean hor- like insulin, you know, uh, what you know, what, what effect I was thinking more of reproductive hormones, those shouldn't have much of an effect here, but they could be affected by your fasting. Should you try it? I mean, I don't see particularly why not. There's no reason to think that anything drastic would happen to you necessarily. What my recommendation is, as everybody apparently knows, for intermittent fasting for women is, yeah, go ahead, try it, just be cautious, be on the lookout for symptoms to crop up and if they start to ones such as missed periods irregular menstrual cycles difficulty with your sleep mood issues if you start getting obsessive about food or your eating patterns change in any way that's negative or you're overeating any kinds of those symptoms watch out for them if they crop up then you probably reasonably infer that the intermittent fasting is an issue so i would say go ahead and try it again you haven't specified what the what the pattern would be I would say go ahead and skip breakfast or maybe have a breakfast have breakfast a couple hours after you eat could be good for you you know that I could mean, be really helpful. a couple helpful. hours
0: after she wakes up
1: sorry thank you yeah did I say have breakfast after breakfast
0: yeah uh, yes that's you uh, insinuated the worst <laughs> a couple that's hours I'm here
1: after a couple hours after waking up. uh, I think that that could be a, that's a totally reasonable experiment to perform and I would absolutely have done it. I personally am very careful about my meals in when I wake up and at lunchtime or what have you, precisely because I want my blood sugar levels to remain stable and to be able to be focused at work. So I actually think that, I think it's a really decent experiment to try and if it you know if it doesn't work, you can try a different fasting method. You can try moving it around. You can try having bulletproof coffee in the morning. You know, <laughs> and I don't I don't you know coffee's not terrible. I don't know if you if you caffeinate, but if that helps you stay alert
0: for a little while, I'm you cool caffe- with that. I can imagine Stephanie coming. Do you caffeinate?
1: Oh, I have I have news about coffee. Oh as well.
0: no, save it. I just think it's the funniest question, and I would so expect it from you. Instead of like, do you drink coffee? It's like, do you caffeinate? Um, (laughs) You go ahead. So I I agree. I think that the problem that we have here is that we don't have enough information in terms of the amount. So I think that people think that they're eating a lot, but they aren't. I think that people think this is a common theme (laughs) that you'll notice coming from us. But people think that they're eating a lot and they're actually not. And so if you're having a slice of bread with some salmon and a little bit of cream cheese and it's not even breaking 200 calories, yeah, you're going to be starving potentially in the next hour. So I don't know and I don't know how many scrambled eggs you you eat or or when you shifted that to your diet to more fat and protein which that's my first recommendation. I don't know if you were eating enough. So I think that that's the first place to look. So if you were my client or I w- we were working together, I would first have you do, you know, a full diary of what are you eating and how much and let's track that. Let's this is where calorie tracking is really useful and beneficial because it allows us to see are you actually eating enough? And if you are, then we can work on shifting macronutrients, and potentially timing. So that has to come after. But first and foremost, you have to make sure you're eating enough. And yeah, if you're waking up in the morning and having a really hard time making it through the morning without being hungry, I think the best solution is to really make sure that you have a a wholesome meal in the morning. And as a general recommendation, I typically recommend more fat and protein, more what you'd call log in the fire kind of of fuel, as opposed to twigs or sticks, which is typically what happens if you're just going to eat a bunch of simple carbohydrates like cereal or whatever. And so, yes, eggs are important. Some protein is important. You can do some fruit or a smoothie with like coconut milk. That's all really, that can be all together as one meal. But if you think about it, you know, women, we, we give women a minimum of 2,000 calories a day and you wake up, you haven't eaten all night and you are going to a job where you are not necessarily able to eat when you're hungry which I, I'm not sure if that's the situation for you. I know you said that you have been snacking a lot, but I would just try eating a bigger meal in the morning, something around 400 to 500 calories at least. And then it's okay. Like, I don't think it you have to make it to lunch. I think it's normal to snack. I kind of feel like I'm always eating all throughout the day, but I don't have that mentality of being a slave to my food. So I feel like for you, it's becoming an inconvenience. And that may be where shifting around your timing is helpful. And Stephanie didn't mention this, but I know she agrees with this. If you're going to practice in intermittent fasting and experiment with it, you have to make sure you're still eating all the calories. You have to make sure you're eating all the calories. So instead of eating 2000 calories or 2200 calories throughout the day, you're eating it within the, the eating window. And that first and foremost has to be a part of the equation. You can't not eat breakfast and then eat your normal lunch and dinner and expect it to go well <laughs> and expect to feel well. So I don't know. I'm interested. I think that the blood work's a really, really great suggestion because I think that before we move forward with big changes like this, especially dietarily, it's really important to get a baseline. Where is your cortisol? Where is your insulin? What's your fasting insulin like? Do you have an issue with that? Is that part of the reason you have blood sugar swings? And if all of that's okay and is checking out and your blood sugar fasting and post meal is perfectly healthy and fine, then I don't think that this is a good recommendation. So it can can be a good recommendation if, yes, you're struggling with insulin resistance and you're not able to manage your blood sugar appropriately. But if it's more of a composition, it, it could very well be a composition issue as well as a, a calorie issue, How like how much you're eating. Steph and I have said this before, too. It's, it's, it's a good tool not to do long term, but it's really good if you are really struggling with insulin resistance. Right. I mean, that's kind of what we've always we've both have always said if you're struggling with insulin resistance and or like your weight that has unexpectedly come on that you're not sure where it came from. And it's you you don't feel you feel like it's a symptom of an underlying condition that can be really helpful. But if you're under eating and that's causing some issues, then then, you know, shifting your window or if you're doing a lot of high intensity workouts, and you're not supporting your body with fuel, or you're you're feeling oh low energy and whatever you know. I, I I want intermittent fast so I can feel more energy. That was my thing, you know, in the CrossFit land. Oh, feel better, have more energy, and I was like, no, I I actually just needed to eat more. So yeah. Any other thoughts, Steph?
1: Yeah, I want to add one more thing, which is I w- want to know how sure you are that what you're feeling are blood sugar swings and not tiredness.
0: Hmm. Because
1: I find – so when you wake up, if you wake up naturally and you have a good circadian rhythm, your body is going to give you cortisol that's going to keep you awake during the day when you wake up. And also if you wake up before it's natural per se or if you wake up to an alarm, you will manufacture cortisol and right you will make it happen even if your body doesn't really want you to. And then when you eat – Like your body, actually, there's a part of your hippocampus that when you eat says, oh, it's safe to sleep now. And I so often like, so I actually don't eat until right now. I'm, I eat, I'm actually eating very light fat and protein only and a few hours after I wake up and it helps me stay awake. And if I'm underslept and I eat, I will get tired immediately. And that has been the case for me for years. And so I think something that's really important here is making sure that you're getting enough sleep because that can also, I mean, it can also influence your your blood sugar levels. And tiredness, of course, would play a role in that. So just as a little asterisk of caution.
0: I like it. Question number two is from Katie Heinemann and Stephanie. First off, let me say that you two are amazing. I absolutely love the podcast, and it has really helped transform my mindset in so many ways relating to my health and fitness. Second, Pink Lady apples all day, every day. Love you, Katie. Now on for the nitty gritty: <laughs> a little bit about myself. Twenty nine years old, eight months postpartum with my first child. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's in June two thousand sixteen. It was I was in a horrible flare at that point: the weight gain and inability to lose, exhaustion, always cold, hair falling out in clumps, et cetera. I addressed this diagnosis by cleaning up my diet, mainly by eliminating gluten and dairy and adding in nutrient-dense foods and various supplements. Started moving my body and tried to eliminate as much stress as possible. I improved my thyroid number numbers and symptoms to a point where my doc believed it could be controlled with the lifestyle changes I had made. Never prescribed medication. I believe all these changes led me to be able to conceive. I was at my healthiest since my diagnosis. Felt amazing got pregnant in August 2017. About 10 weeks into my pregnancy, food aversions hit me hard and I pretty much despised any leafy greens. I started eating gluten and dairy again. Fast forward to about 16 weeks postpartum, I tried to go back to eating the way I had been before pregnancy and also started exercising and my milk's milk supply took a huge hit. I think maybe because I just wasn't eating enough calories. When she she says, when I eat healthy, I under eat. I just have a hard time getting in 2000 calories made up of veggies. So again, I returned to eating not so great foods. My diet is now nutrition is not nutritionally dense. Lots of refined carbs, cereals, bread, pasta and sugar among protein and some veggies, even leafy greens here and there. But my milk supply is where it needs to be to sustain my daughter. I went to see my doc for a yearly physical. My blood pressure was 142 over 105. Yikes. My doctor told me I needed to clean up my diet like I did before pregnancy. So I think I need help with mindset here. How do I deal with the fact that in order to improve my health, it means possibly not providing breast milk for my daughter? I know I can just give her formula and obviously her being fed is most important, but I can't help but feel like a failure that I can't provide for her and help myself simultaneously. Any specific foods/slash meals I could eat that will give me enough calories in order to sustain my milk supply, but will also help improve my blood pressure? You girls are awesome. PS, just ordered your book. Thanks so much, Katie.
1: I feel positive about our potential to address this issue. <laughs> I, I do. So I concur. We will be able to find you calories now. Noelle, does she say more about foods that she's averse to? No? Okay. No. Right. So if the problem is mostly that eating produce just means that you don't get enough calories, then we can really bulk up your produce and add healthy fats. And that could be really that could be really all you need, actually. Right, so with your blood pressure issues, and there can be a lot tied into that, but definitely a lot of refined carbs is not the best way to approach a a blood sugar issue. Uh, They're nutritionally pretty empty, and they do obviously wreak havoc on your blood sugar. And if you're eating other sorts of processed foods, then your salt, your potassium and sodium balance can get really thrown off. So it's this really interesting thing. There's all this panic about there being too much salt in food and that being really unhealthy for blood sugar problems related to because electrolytes in, in your blood help regulate its pressure, of course. But actually, the problem is that sodium, I mean, there's a ton, but sodium needs to be balanced by potassium. And there is no potassium in refined carbs, period, Uh, There is potassium in leafy greens and fruits and vegetables, generally speaking. And so on one hand, the issue isn't so much about excess salt as it is about the fact that Americans and I suppose Westerners generally don't eat enough potassium. Isn't that fascinating? So yeah, so getting some produce in there, whatever kinds you find tolerable, Will be really important. And I do think, of course, yes, cutting down on the carbs is important. But when you add in those leafy greens, those not leafy green vegetables, uh, bananas, there's a ton of food that's really high in potassium. Tomatoes are actually very high in potassium. Uh, Cantaloupe, there's a fair amount of potassium in salmon, dates. There's a a long list of foods. Google it. Um, Mostly produce, of course, uh, not grains. And anyway, that add in on that list, from that list, what you can. Now, in terms of what you can substitute for the refined carbs you're eating, I advocate for not refined carbs, such as sweet potatoes and regular potatoes. Those are usually pretty palatable. So I would go with those types of carbs, uh, other kinds of starchy vegetables, whatever you can find, Fruits are great and combine them with butter. Can you have dairy? Butter. If you can't have butter, get some clarified butter. It's ghee and coconut and just like a sweet potato. If you take one sweet potato and you just poke some holes in it with a fork and throw it in the microwave and then put a couple of teaspoons of coconut oil or butter on it, you have... 500 calories you know right there and that that's so easy and and should be palatable and that's just one example Uh, but really yeah avocados what other fats are there do you like bacon (laughs) (laughs) uh any kind of fatty animals you know these are the types of things that are healthy and also caloric you know, so I'd what What are your thoughts, dear?
0: You know, I was just sitting here thinking about it, and I feel like there is definitely a way to do convenience and be healthy. And I think that the mm-hmm. thing that people miss, like, I, I feel like when people think they need to be healthy or eat, quote unquote, healthy foods, mostly fresh stuff and all that whatnot. You know, let's let's think of like more strict paleo. It's so, well, hmm. There's always been this sort of air of, oh, don't do the treats or, oh, don't do the, like, packaged paleo foods, still packaged refined food. And I don't love that. I'm pro, like, convenient healthy food. And so that is where there are a lot of packaged foods and breads and muffin mixes, for example, from Simple Mills and bars, RX bars and Lara bars and all these. They're not perfect, right? They're not, like... all fresh produce and fruits. But I think that there is definitely a way to still make eating very convenient and also generally mostly healthy. And we just have to supply ourselves with the tools to do that. So it's not one or the other. It's not either I eat healthy or I eat all the junk, all the gluten, all the breads, all the cereals, all the pastas. It's I can eat really healthy, and do so by, you know, because I'm so stressed out at this point in my life with multiple kids, and I've got a lot going on, and and just you know busy. I intentionally incorporate. This is me, by the way. I'm talking about myself. I intentionally incorporate bars and snacks and things that are healthful that aren't don't contain gluten or dairy or soy or any of those things. But yeah, they're packaged and they're convenience foods. And that's why I shop at Thrive Market all the time. I mean, even this today, working with my husband, we're trying to find bars and stuff for him to be out in the field when he does reserve stuff. And so we were just going through and trying to plan and plan for next month and figuring out what we needed to order so that he has packaged stuff on hand. And so I think that and of course I'm in the mindset right now which I've I mentioned with the last episode of how how can I make sure that I have a ton of food on hand so that I can get all the calories I need when I'm breastfeeding. And sometimes that yeah, sometimes that does mean Yum Earth gummies which are, you know, sugar. I'm yes, it's sugar, but it doesn't have artificial colors and sweeteners and it's it's organic and so I I intentionally keep some of that stuff on hand so that I can have a quick thing to go to so that I'm not like try, scrounging around and end up just doing what is most convenient, which is the processed stuff at the store. So I think that it, there is a way to do that and make absolutely there is a way that you can get all the calories you need in and not eat foods that flare your symptoms especially stay away. Please stay away. If you have Hashimoto's, you really it's really important to stay away from gluten and dairy, the refined stuff. Absolutely. I think that those are two things that you really do have to stay away from. Soy is really important to stay away from. So take what you were doing before when your doc was looking at your hormones and saying, wow, I don't need to give you medication. And now make some of it more convenient. So if there's things that you're doing right now that are super convenient for you, you have granola bars or you eat cereal in the morning, how can you shift those things to other convenience foods that aren't going to take any more time for you? So maybe you do cook eggs in the morning or maybe you get a sprouted rice cereal or maybe you make homemade, you know, whatever, oatmeal. Sometimes, you know, that's really important for breastfeeding and that's a gluten-free grain. You make oatmeal with rolled organic oats which you can get from whole foods and maybe you can add some collagen peptides in there and you sweeten it with just a little bit of raw honey and so I think there's a way to do the convenience and or maybe you have you you can still have rice for example just soak it and then cook it so you're having sprouted soaked grain that is going to have a lot more nutrients in it. And yeah, that's going to help your blood pressure. And I think that the but the main thing to really think about here is just the Hashimoto's and the autoimmune side of it. And while also, of course, making sure that you're getting a ton of (laughs) calories in because, yeah, it's it's hard. You've got to be able to to sustain your milk. You have to be in a surplus. You have to be able to eat to supply your body with what it needs plus more to make the milk. And so your goal is just always going to be to meet a caloric minimum. And that's your goal and that's your job. And so I think you'll learn a lot with the book. And there's a lot of great recipes in there. There's a lot of great potato recipes. Like I love a lot of the sides that I have that are, they. I think it's called rosemary roasted potatoes that just use those fingerling potatoes. I love those. And that's a ton of carbohydrate. And you just cut up a bunch of potatoes and stick that on a pan and put it in the oven. You can do that with sweet potatoes. You can do that. You can do really calorically dense smoothies that have a ton of uh, calories from coconut milk and berries and all that kind of stuff. You can do bananas, which are pretty starchy and, and calorically dense. So it's just about definitely look at the meal plans in the book and look at some of the convenience foods that we we recommend. I do love Primal Kitchen. They have these collagen peptide grass fed something bars and those are really calorically dense. And I remember eating those a lot when I was nursing and you just got it hashtag bar life and also dried fruit life. I, I do a lot of dried fruit from Trader Joe's, like just the dried pineapple and mango and it's unsweetened. And yeah, just munch on that and make sure that you're, you're getting your hormones tested and seeing where you're at because the Hashimoto's and the hypothyroidism. That may actually be affecting your milk supply too. So I just think it's important to make sure that you're eating enough, but you're really staying on top of the chronic illness that you know you have put in remission. But maybe it's not in remission anymore. And I know that thyroid hormones change a lot with, at post-pregnancy. And so we did that. I did that interview with Elena. So definitely go back and listen to that. But it, I think it would be worth it just to get your hormones looked at again too, just to make sure that 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 is so everything's still where you want it to be so that you can supply your baby with all the milks. But you can absolutely, you can absolutely do plenty of calories and just be intentional with the snacks, the snacky snacks, and filling in calorically dense foods. And no, it's not going to be 100% perfect, and that's okay. You know, that's not where I am in my life right now. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market, an online marketplace on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. Thrive Market is like Whole Foods, Amazon Prime, and Costco combined. You can shop for thousands of health foods and natural products, including non-GMO foods, snacks, vitamins, supplements, eco-friendly cleaning supplies, baby and kids items, and so much more at 10 to 50% below retail prices. They can offer these prices because they cut out the middleman and ship products directly to you. They also have their own Thrive Market brand, which offers everything from organic virgin coconut oil to grass-fed collagen peptides, all the way to eco-friendly, chlorine-free disposable diapers, which my daughter wears, by the way, at incredibly affordable prices. To get 25% off your first purchase, head over to thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen and That's 25% off on top of the discounts you already get on Thrive Market. Head over to thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen. Question number three is from Danny. Hi, Stephanie. Noel, while I started listening to your podcast because I wanted to learn how to naturally get my period back. I work in the athletic industry and compete in a weight class sport. So when I started hearing you guys talk about eating more and gaining weight, I rolled my eyes. Yes, yet I kept listening. A few months later... And I've listened to every podcast, started researching, and I'm all about the body love, eating more, and getting my hormones back on track. I have been dieting since I was 19, trying paleo, and if it fits your macros, I've ranged from 1,500 to 2,000 calories a day during this time, but never aimed for more. I can go about one to two weeks before the restriction results in a binge. My binging habits have improved, but the desire to eat all the foods that I've restricted over the weeks is still there. I work out a lot, CrossFit three times a week, 30 to 50 minute walks a day, and Olympic lifting five times a week. That's a lot of sports, especially for someone who grew up completely unathletic. I believe humans are meant to move, but I wouldn't say that all of my exercise is purely out of enjoyment. A lot of it is me desperately trying to lose weight to look and to look athletic. Ugh! When I hear you advise women to be kind to themselves, I nod along and feel hopeful that I can too break free. Then the doubt creeps in. I don't feel worthy of being fine just the way I am. In quotations, it doesn't feel okay for me to be happy with myself, no matter how much you advise the women who write in with stories and questions that I directly relate to. I'm addicted to listening, yet I don't feel like I deserve to take any of the advice because it sounds too good to be true. I think to myself, I'm probably eating the right amount. I'm not super lean, so I just must be overeating as it is. And she says, oh, in quote, these are still quotes by her. Those girls are probably eating less than me. They probably are already really small. This doesn't apply to me, etc., etc. When you ladies tell other women to eat more, I literally feel like I don't deserve to listen to take the advice. Like I'm just looking for a reason to give up. Is this normal? Why am I struggling to feel like I am some outlier to your advice? Does your advice to eat more apply to me? Or do you think I'm eating plenty as it is? Ah, Danny. (laughs) Oh, I've so been there. (laughs) I think the majority
1: of women who... At first encounter advice to love their bodies, initially think, nah, this is just, (laughs) nah, I don't, I don't, I don't have to do that or whatever to eat more. Nah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: And for a wide variety of reasons. And I'm very interested in the language that you're using because you're saying you don't feel like you deserve it. There are two different things that this could mean one is you actually feel like you don't deserve to have your period and your hormones and to feel comfortable in your own skin and to be excited about whatever weight you're at and the other option is you don't want to but you're using the language of deserve because it sounds less bad and obviously I I don't I don't know. I don't know which which one, you know, which option it is. But I think it's important to address both because on one hand, it's so, so, so easy to to know that the thing that you could do for yourself and that we could do as women (laughs) kind is you eat more, gain weight, be comfortable gaining weight, you know? That's absolutely a you know, you can see that and know that that's a thing that you would like to do or think that people should generally do, but you still are feeling pressure from the cultural paradigm to be slender and therefore don't actually want it. And the way out of that sort of thinking There's a number of different ways. One is to just get really angry with the culture that makes you think that way and to unfollow all the accounts and just to opt out. You just have to step back and say, you know what? I'm not participating in this. I don't want to compete against other women because ultimately this is what we're doing here, competing against other women, right? I don't want to compete against other women. I don't want to have to fight. I I don't want to be in this battle with food and society is making me do it and I don't want to and I'm just I'm opting out Bye. That's definitely something that could be very helpful if you still feel trapped by that mindset, even though you you want to escape it. That's something. And then this, there's this piece of deserving, right? Do you deserve it? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, you deserve it. Everybody deserves it because none of us deserve to be told that our body size is wrong, right? There is no right or wrong body size. Bodies are just bodies, <laughs> We, we we exist in them and we do our best to take care of them of course because how they feel impacts how we feel but we all ab- we just we all absolutely deserve that and you deserve to feel good in your skin and it is not easy per se to decide that you're going to walk this path to decide that you're going to throw off the norms that society has been keeping you under your entire life because it does take daily practices, you know, daily avoidance of old habits. And it does take deconstructing all of the sources you sort of have these pressures from and constructing more positive habits in their place and building a life with people who are affirming and media sources that are affirming and all that sort of stuff. You know, it's not easy, but you deserve it. And it is definitely worth it. It's definitely worth it because you, it is good for your physical health and it's good for your mental health. And, and so I'm just, I'm all about it. And if you still really feel like you don't deserve something, I could not recommend enough deserving of anything. I could not recommend enough um, seeking out some kind of professional help or, semi-professional help or what have you some sort of psychological help to to work through those issues because deserving is can be a deeply psychologically embedded and problematic part of of who we are that affects everything not just our body size you know it's so common uh, so many women will starve themselves down to a certain weight and then you get there and there's like other things that they need to fix you know like there's a never ending list of things to fix of things to that that need to be addressed, and this comes from a place of feeling like you'll never be enough and I think it's very important to recognize that you are actually more than enough already. those are some things worth contemplating and digging into uh what do you think, my dear?
0: yeah, the only thing I'll add to that is i you know when you when P, when you're everybody listening first of all, yes, of course this is applicable to you, but it, if you're listening and you just kind of are always saying, oh, I don't know, I just don't think that that's applicable to me. And and I, I do, I I know where you're coming from. Because I feel like I experienced this. I was spinning my wheels trying to get myself to do something I knew I needed to do. But at the end of the day, I always talked myself out of it. And so what I ended up, it was a, it was like a internal battle of trying to decide whether I knew what I really needed to do or kept doing what was safe and what was my coping mechanism and what was what I wanted to continue to believe was okay. And eventually... I think for a lot of people, they get to a breaking point where they can no longer use the coping strategies that they used where in order to manage anxiety or to make sure that they continue to feel worthy or to have their sense of perceived authority in the world, you know, that where I used to work out a ton and I used to eat under eat. And then that became physically I was unable to physically continue to do that. And so for a lot of people, they get to the point where they just can no longer live in that narrative. And it really, you hit rock bottom and you have to say, why am I doing, like, why, why does this keep happening? And why am I not able to believe what I know, like, deep down is true? And so, yeah, number one, figure out what, who is saying this to you? Why are you not deserving? Where are those voices coming from? And what's at the root of it? because you are deserving, this advice is absolutely applicable to you. If anybody, you're probably the star candidate. And yeah, you're you're drastically under eating and you're not supporting your body. And so you're believing or participating in a specific narrative that is harming your health, your overall health. And so if you want to move forward in a way that is hopefully going to support your body physically, mentally, emotionally. I do think it's important to seek professional help to work through some of those issues, because I think it'll happen a lot faster than if you were to just hit rock bottom and figure it out yourself. And I think it's important, of course, to have somebody to team up with for your mental health. And that will hopefully, in turn, change some of your behaviors so that you can pursue and take confidence in or be confident in the fact that you are deserving, this advice is for you, you are worthy of more food and supplying your body with sufficient calories and eating enough. And no, you don't have to work out to look some specific like your worth isn't in looking one specific way and being super lean and athletic like that's not it's great it's great to work out it's great to love CrossFit but when that becomes your identity and that becomes some sort of holy grail where you think that that's where happiness lies and that's going to get you your like attention from other people, and that's where your worth lies, that then that's when it becomes a problem. And then that's when people start to sacrifice their health, for example, or other things like relationships, in order to achieve that. And so, yes, my question to you, instead of asking, because you asked, is this advice to eat more? Does it apply to me? Do you think I'm eating plenty? I would ask, why wouldn't it apply to me? So if at any point in time, you're like, oh, that's me in this question, but does it apply to me? Just say, why wouldn't this apply to me? You know, so it's perfectly acceptable to take the advice and experiment with it and try it the, uh, in, and actually reverse that question and say, well, why not? You know, let's, let's try it. And I think that that's where the fear is actually coming from is if I do take this advice, what does that mean? what does my life look like where does my worth lie what are my coping mechanisms how do i feel about myself and so that i think is the underlying root issue and so yes if you are working out at all not even not even 5 times a week you need to be eating at least 2000 calories a day that's the least a minimum So, if you're eating a range of 1,500 to 2,000 and you're working out as much as you are, you are drastically under eating. So, there you go. Speaking directly to you, I'm talking to you, Danny, and all the people like Danny who don't know if the advice is for them. (laughs) So, okay. Anything else, Steph? Nope. All right, for more from stuff, go to paleoforwomen.com. For more from me, go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. Find more about our book, Coconuts and Kettlebells, at coconutsandkettlebells.com slash book. It's available where most, most places that sell books. And you can follow us on Instagram at WellFedWomen. We will talk to you next week.